uh, it's from Richard G. Scott, and it says, don't give up what you want most for what you want now. So when we think about training and we think about vigilance and staying with it, how many times are we deflected to change our course and change our plan to be able to do something now and end up losing for what we really, really want? And in order to do that and have a strong core, it requires discipline. A lack of discipline can lead to failure in situations where you, you, where you don't want to land. You don't want to be in a place where things begin to slide and you start to look back and say, I should have. And that can be put into many aspects of our lives. Maybe it's a relational. If we don't have discipline to be able to say, I'd rather, I'd, I want to watch that TV show, but my child right now is calling me to play with him. I'm really tired, but I gotta be able to, I, I wanna spend time with my child because ultimately you want that relational situation with your family before yourself and, and you discipline yourself. So what's it take to do that? It, it takes making an advanced decision telling yourself that you're going to do this and these are my parameters and being able to do that. Maybe it's physical. You want to beef up. Maybe you want to lose some weight. But you need to be able to make that advanced decision of, you know, I don't want that second piece of chocolate cake because that's what I want now, but ultimately I want to get fit. Making that advanced decision, may, a delayed gratification, waiting the end. Maybe it's financial. Um, something that, you know, you set your goals on something that you really want, but then occasionally you, you be able to come up with something and you're saying, hey, I want to I do that. I want to buy that now. But you lose the funds for ultimately what you want to buy in the future. So all of that um, comes into play, but what about your spiritual discipline? You know, it's not allowing the demands of the day to overshadow your time with God. And how do you stay on course with that? Um, you can't leave that time to chance. When you get up in the morning, um, do you spend time with the Lord right away? And it takes discipline to do that. For myself, my cell phone is on the side of my bed, but when I wake up, I don't look at it. I'm too, too tempted to look at it and see what messages do I have or what do I need to do today. The first time I look at my cell phone is I put on you version of the Bible and go to the verse of the day. That's the first thing I do. I don't talk to anybody. I just get with the Lord right then and there, and that sets my day. And so when I think about that um, and, and how we can do it as, as men as being able to say, how do, how do I get stronger in my discipline? I need three things. I need input. I need to be able to, be able to um, 
read. Maybe I listen to a podcast. podcast. Maybe it's attending just worship on Sunday. That's input because that, for, that formulates my decisions each and every day. What do I really want? What, what am I going for? What am I training for? Once I have that input, I have all of that, and then I, I have to reflect. I say, all right, what does that mean to me? What's that, what are those words trying to tell me? Spending that close time with the Lord gives me a feedback loop. Because once you have that feedback, and it's feedback to yourself to say, where am I and where do I want to go? Once you have that reflection and that feedback, then you need to be able to look at it and saying, where do I need to move? What do I need to add? What do I need to take away? And that's a continual process. Just like the trainers that, that Paul's been talking about in the training, it doesn't happen one week before the Olympics. It's a continual thing. And just because you train for eight months doesn't mean at the, at the ninth month you just sort of sit back and relax and let it go. It's a constant, constant thing. And that's what we need to do with our spiritual um, discipline is that each day we need to be there and we need to just continually look and say, what do I want most? And I'm not willing to sacrifice today what I want for tomorrow. Okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day today. We thank you for... um, your words that you've given us to guide us. Lord, we're, we're a people that there's so many different things going on within our lives today that we be easily become distracted, but our main focus, dear Lord, be, needs to be with you. We need to be focused upon you, and it's you that we truly, truly want. As men, we have our families, we have our jobs, we have so many different things, but all, Lord, Everything that we do needs to be honoring to you. And we just I just pray, Lord, that each of these men here today take some time to be able to understand what you want for them, understand um, where they're at within their particular situations, and give them the strength to be able to apply discipline, to be able to strengthen their core, Lord, so that whatever may come, whatever temptations may fall their way, that they rely upon the uh, on their core which you're at the center of lord to be able to guide them and make have them make the right decisions each day and i pray this all in jesus name amen amen thank you so um finishing well it was easy to pick videos for uh and if you come to church on sunday and say you know paul's sermon just wasn't very sharp it's because I spent way too much time looking at these fail videos. Uh, and so I picked out several that I just want to show. One has three in a row. Uh, and they're just painful to watch, really, especially if, like, if you're a coach. You're like, oh, I hope we don't do that tonight. Um, but there's a, I think there's a football one here and then a basketball one. A guy, it kind of goes fast, but a guy hits a free throw. The team goes up for, by three, and then you'll see what happens. And then there's another football one. So let's just enjoy these, and we'll have have a few more as we go along. Five defensive backs, including Hakeem, who has come in the sixth. Orton going deep. He's got Watkins, and buckle up 
There he goes. And Akeem brings him down. He just got in there. He plays both sides. And he was chasing down the speed merchant Watkins. An 84-yard connection. A touchdown saving tackle by Akeem. First and goal, Buffalo. Well, this is the same route they just missed a little bit earlier. You see him, he just goes right by Darren Walls. And this is unfortunate. Watching at the end here, he begins to showboat and eases up a little bit. He never feels Akeem. That's a rookie mistake by Sammy Watkins. Look at him change his gait and slow up and begin to celebrate around the 10-yard line. Now will the Richard foul down the floor. And it's a deflection by Ruffin. And the play continues. Peterson got it! I don't believe it! I don't believe it! Is it good if it goes? We gotta check it out! If it's good, we're going into overtime and a Hail Mary three by Mo Pete! I don't believe what I just saw! Onions, baby onions! Why? It's an interception that'll be run back by Trevathan for a pick six. Well, they're saying touchback. Right yeah, look at this. Look at this. If he drops oh. it, oh and he does, goodness. and it goes out of the back of the end zone, it's going to be a touchback. Out of the back of the end zone, it is a touchback. Oh. First down, Baltimore. Oh, yeah. You you would swear that. Everybody would learn. But. I mean, how'd you like that? Here's his name on national television, and you would swear everyone would learn by now. But somehow people don't learn by now. That's why there's so many of these videos. I didn't have to search the world over for fail videos. But just guys at the very end celebrating too early, not considering the situation, uh, not getting across the finish line. And um, that can just be a killer. I mean, think about the, the, you know, this is first world issues. But, you know, you go from getting seven points to giving the ball back. I mean, that's a big turnaround. And you can, get, you can have a very successful run. But if you fall at the end, you can still lose. Uh, so we want to make sure we're not doing that. The way we're going to focus in on it is on your sheet of paper here. Uh, Tim Challies, you see the uh, book that we're reading he says this in this chapter, there are three great enemies you can be sure you will face from now until the day you break the tape in victory. So he's saying, hey, all the way through our run, you're going to face these same things, uh, challenges from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So recently I called a friend who's maybe 10 years older than I am, and uh, he's in retirement, and I was asking him some questions about that, and he said, Paul, really, it's not any different. I have to maintain the same kinds of disciplines at 75 as I did when I was 35. I mean, the challenges might come at me in a little different way, but they're the same kinds of challenges. And that's what uh, Charlie's is saying, is that we're going to always face the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we want to look at that, and we'll look at these particular uh, verses here. Um, and while we do that, let's just, let's take another, again, I got a lot of these here. I want to celebrate uh, early. 
How about this Here's guy? Here's a lesson, kids. Always finish a race before celebrating. Check out cyclist Adam Tupelik, who looks back and then starts celebrating, thinking that he's won the under-23 Cyclocross World Championships, but he didn't realize that there's still one lap left to go. Oh. He thinks he's won. Oh. Tupelik would end up coming I love in this right place, here. and his face says everything. Oh, there's one lap to go, but he thought he was across the finish line, and this is his face. So painful, so painful. So John, 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. So he's just going to say, hey, this is what I mean by the word world. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. I mean, if you could just look at the dashboard of your life and think of these as three gauges. And what I want you to think about is, okay, any of these gauges telling me I've got an pro internal problem. Does that make sense? So you're looking at it and you go, hey, this temperature thing, I don't know that the car's running hot, but it's saying it's running hot. And so we're looking at these three gauges, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, the desires of the flesh. The word here for desire is, uh, in the Greek, it's called epithumia. So epi or epic is big, and it's, it's, it's called an over-desire. In other words, you have a desire for a good thing, but it's become a God thing. Does that make sense? Sometimes you can have just a desire for a bad thing, but this is when you have a desire that's really a, for a good thing, but it's become central to your being. You've got to have it. You've made it a God thing. So hunger is a good desire. Gluttony is an over-desire. Sleep is a good desire. Laziness is an, is an over, an epic desire. Sex is a good desire. Immorality is an over-desire. So just, Lord, just we're going to check a lot of gauges here, and you've got to figure out, hey, this is how the Lord is speaking to me right now, and you just see if this is the one. John Calvin says, The evil in our desires does not lie in what we want, but that we want it too much. So it's, it's kind of easy to say, hey, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. But then you take something, well, it is good, but it's become a God thing. Like, I have to have it. Any, any over-desires. Second, he says, the desires of the eyes. Everybody knows this. You, you, we have this phrase in our culture, feast your eyes on this. So, so you go, wow, look at her, or look at all that money, or look at that boat, or look at whatever it is, feast your eyes. In other words, your eyes are like a portal. And you go, wow, I'm looking at that, and it's, it's like coming into your soul. And your eyes are, are, are telling you what's desirable. So you have to be careful. You have to guard the portal. I was thinking about this this morning. Remember Deepwater Horizon? Some of you remember this, the oil spill out in the Gulf. I think it was three, over 3 billion gallons were spilled. And I looked at it today, and it was uh, three, three, 3 billion total, 3 million gallons a day. So just through one pipe, think about that, one pipe. All this oil spilling in. Here, here's the pipe for Paul right here. So what, what am I allowing to come? There's a lot of garbage. When I'm looking at fail videos on the little sidebar, 
There's lots of things that want, want me to click on it that seem in the little box they put up there. Oh, I might want to click on that. But you just got to guard, you got to guard that portal. Got to guard that portal. And the pride of life, one of the translations is wanting to appear important. Wanting to appear important. Hunting for honors, exaggerating what you have, boasting in some way of your acquaintances. Uh, when I played football at Furman, we had a guy's name, and I honestly don't remember his name. I remember his nickname. It, his nickname was Topper. Because if you're ever in a conversation and you said something about, hey, you know, when I was in middle school, blah, blah, it didn't matter what you said, he would always top your story. And I just, it's just, he, he just had to have the, at the very end, he had to have the attention. No matter how crazy your story was, at the end, all attention had to come back to him. So do you have any mechanisms where it just, I, I end up needing to have importance. I need to make sure people know who I am or see who I am. And pride of life, the pride of life. When I worked for the Atlanta Braves, maybe it's a sports thing, but one of the things that was so frustrating was just anytime you were with other people, they always talked about the other people they had seen or been with. Oh, I saw Hank Aaron today. Oh, I saw Ted Turner. I saw... Jesus, I mean, I should have said that one time just to see what they would have said, <laughs> you know. But it was all like how you were connected. It was like, if, if I can say this, then that, that gives me some importance. It gives me some value. And that's a very hard thing, I think, especially for guys to fight against. There's a guy in 2 Timothy 4. His name is Demas. Demas is in the inner circle with Paul. So where Paul goes, he goes. Think, of, think about uh, uh, Paul and Timothy. Well, he was another Timothy. He was Demas. In Paul's very last letter, in his very last chapter, he's writing to Timothy, and he says this about Demas. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Now, think, just try to think about this. Demas is in a group with Paul and Luke who wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, imagine you have that chance. You're, I'm standing next to two guys who are writing most of the New Testament. And I get to see some of the in, most amazing things. But somehow, even though I was in that inner circle, guys, even though you're here today, you can still just somehow a shiny object comes over here and you take the hook. So, so don't, don't be a Demas. Watch. Look at the gauges. Look at the gauges. Is, is there something about the desires of my eyes, the desires of my flesh, the, the pride of life that are calling me out away from the Lord and to, to the world? C.J. Mahaney says this, Few, if any, are facing the threat of martyrdom, but everyone is facing the threat of seduction. That's such a great quote. And very few of us are going to be asked to give up our lives. But every day there's a seductive call. And they come through those three gauges. So that's, that's just the first one. We can stop right there and talk about that. But we're going to keep going. The world, the world. And some of these overlap. Secondly, maintain your vigilance against the flesh. 
Let's see, let's see this guy. This is really painful. <laughs> you want to see that again, don't you? I mean, the big fella's winning, and he wants to take a little pride in that. Peace out. Peace out. Oh. You've seen these things, instant karma? You know, that's it for him. I mean, just think about that. He's going to win. It's like three more steps. But he's got to, at that, before he gets to the cross, he's got to look at his friend and go, peace out, dude. And at, at the end, he, I don't know if you saw it. I'm not going to play it again. But his friend turns around and goes like this after he won. So funny. So let, let's, let's make sure when we're running the race, even if we're doing well, don't, don't peace out somebody else and you trip and you fall. So maintain your vigilance against the flesh. Look at this in Galatians. This is number two. Now the works of the flesh. There are some overlaps, the world, the flesh, the devil. And he just gives a list. It's not a complete list. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are the things I'm warning you against. The list breaks into this way. Sexuality, three. There's three things, three warnings. False religion, there's two. Character traits which destroy relationships, eight. Now, I mean, we don't know. We're not trying to say one's more important than the other, but eight and substance abuse, two. So let, let's, just, let's just think about hatred, fighting, jealousy, anger, rivalries, complaining and criticisms, the feeling of everyone else is wrong but me, and envy. I'm giving you a lot of, we're on the space shuttle now. we got a lot of gauges to look at. So maybe the first one is <clears throat> more the desires of my flesh. These are relational characteristics. In any way you're entering into the world or a relationship with your spouse or your workplace, and you're, you're just a wrecking ball. Everyone has seen it in someone else, but I wonder if you see it in yourself in any way. And then if, if you are, then, what, then stop at that moment and say, what's causing that? There's some kind of angry. There's some kind of envy. There's some kind of jealousy. There, there's some kind of fear. There's something underneath that that's bubbling up and causing that to spill out into my relationships. I love how in Galatians uh, chapter 6, after he has this list, he says, brothers, you're going to fail, and you need to restore one another. So you're going you're gonna to need to have your sin exposed to someone else who can say, let's, let's not do that again. Let's go here. So that's why part of us meeting together is to say, hey, I'm, not, I'm just not going to be able to run the race all by my, uh, myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, somebody's going to see something in me and say, hey, I, that needs to change, and I'm here to help. Or can I help you see yourself? 
Nobody really enjoys that person. <laughs> uh, but it's so helpful for somebody to say, I, Paul, I don't know if you can see yourself, but here's what I see. And I think other people see it. So it takes a brave person to say that. It takes somebody who has a lot of EQ, emotional intelligence, to say, hey, I hear you, and I want to I try to do something about that. Rather than, no, 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 that you're the only one. 2 Samuel 11, David and Bathsheba. I mean, here's a man who had been running the race so well. I mean, he'd done things that every child in vacation Bible school knows about, David and Goliath. He becomes the king. He wins wars. He's, I mean, he's just, he's the guy who everything's up and to the right at this point, and he fails. He didn't maintain his vigilance against the flesh. And the way he got restored was some brave person came and said, hey, you're the person, Nathan. So just, just think. Just look at these gauges. Hatred, biting, jealousy, anger, rivalries, complaining and criticisms. The feeling that everyone else is wrong but me and envy. You know what this describes? And I'm just thinking about this right now. Any news broadcast. I mean, just turn on Fox News or MSNBC or CNN, and th pretty much this is what we're going to have. We're going to have hatred, fighting, jealousy, anger. I'm always right. You're always right. I mean, that's, that's the culture that we're currently living in. So it's very easy for you to get caught up into it. And we want to maintain our vigilance. We don't want to be the guy who's running and then peace out and we're down. We're out. Finally, maintain your vigilance against the devil. The devil, which need, is, there's a need for humility, and we'll show this last video here. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants oh. the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. <laughs> he gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can if you go. You see his face? Uh, we got to watch that again. I mean, you can tell what kind Take of week I had. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. Whoops. And you just can't do this right kind there. of stuff, Lewis. You can if you go. You see his face? <laughs> you just can't do that kind of stuff. Did you see his face? Oh, it's so classic. And it's kind of funny because it's not us, but it, but it is us, right? It is us. It's, it's, we're kind of running along. And we just think, oh, everybody, look at me. And then, boom, come in second. And it's really all because of you. It's all because because you slowed down. You wanted something you shouldn't have at that very. I mean, he could have gotten all the praise. Did you think about that? If he'd run all the way through, then he could have gone like this and everybody would have praised him. But he had to have it a little bit early. It's really what Rick was saying. I, I want something right now, 10 feet early, that instead of later, I could have had. But I traded it in, and by trading that in, I lost. I actually lost the one thing I really wanted. So don't do that. Maintain your vigilance against the devil. We have an enemy, Peter says. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Don't be devoured. 
resist him. So three things, again, we're just looking at this. Be sober-minded, be watchful or alert, resist, resist. Be sober-minded. One reason you don't drink and drive is because your reaction time slows down. So if you get near an accident and you have to hit the pedal real fast, it, before you can hit the pedal, you travel 40 feet. But if you've been drinking, it's 60, 80 100 feet and that extra can cost you your life or the life of somebody else be sober-minded and peter answers it later in the text what what is it that clouds are thinking primarily pride just like this guy something about pride just clouds are thinking and then we stumble at the end so be sober-minded about yourself. Humble yourself. Be able to say, I was wrong. Be watchful. Stay awake. Now, I can't be sure, but I feel fairly certain that when Peter said this, who was Peter thinking about? Peter. <laughs> Why? Jesus says, hey, can you just stay awake and pray? And what happens? No, I can't stay awake and pray. And what happens immediately following that? Then I deny Jesus. So that little pattern, that little pattern, it plays out. It plays out. That's why Rick was saying, hey, I want to make sure the first thing I do is the most important thing I do. I read the Bible. I pray. I get, get focused with the Lord. So be watchful. Finally, resist, resist, resist. I don't know if you know this story. In the France in the 1700s, the Christians there, Protestant Christians, were called the Huguenots. And they were persecuted by the Catholics. Some were killed, some were imprisoned. And a 15-year-old girl, her name is Marie Durand, 15, she was a Protestant believer. And she got put with other people in a tower, big stone tower, still stands today. It's called the Tower of Constance. Hot in the summer, cold in the winter. In order to get out of the tower, you had to renounce your faith. She's 15. Now, what, what would you do? She was there until she was 53. In a tower. I would have been like, can I just renounce my faith and then move to Spain or move to, I mean, you know, anybody else like me, like, hey, I can, I, can, I mean, it's just one little thing. I can ask for forgiveness and then I can move away. I can have a life. And finally, when they got everybody out of the tower in this centerpiece is kind of a, a, a venting hole and they have these stones around it that you sit on. And somehow they scratched in the word resistance. Resist, resist. And you can imagine every day going over there to breathe some fresh air. They were reminded every day, resist, resist, resist. That's what Peter's saying. You got to resist. You got to resist. And this little phrase down here in French is what do you want to resist? 
What do you want to resist? So that's really my first question, and you can take that and move through the questions today. But what do you want to resist about the world? What do you want to resist about the flesh? What do you want to resist about the devil? And how, how do you do that? What, what do you have in place, like Rick said, to, to resist? So let's get in groups of three or four or so and uh, go through the questions. They'll be up here, and they're also on your sheet. Ready? Ready?